of my career here in, in youth ministry. She walked into the gym. If you've not been back there, we have a gym area that they can play. She took like three steps into the gym and went, nope, 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 and walked right back out. And I, I just was like, I'm just used to it by now. I don't know. It's uh, Teenagers have the ability to smell. I don't know if you know that, but man, it just can sometimes be overwhelming. But we thank God for shampoo and soap and deodorant and all that good stuff. Tonight, I want to talk to you about faith. As Pastor Nicole said, uh, Pastor really wants us to dig into faith this year. And, and I think for me, one of the things about this is it's really challenging me to look at my life and say, what does it mean for me to live a life of faith? Because while we're all pursuing God together, what it means for me to live by faith is going to be different than what it means for you to live by faith. What do I mean by that? Let me give a real simple example I think we can all understand. Uh, we have Moses, right, who God calls up on a mountain and is like, hey, here's this special task that you're going to do. And Moses is like, you'd rather not, but God's like, well, you're going to do it anyways. And so we can sometimes focus on Moses so much and be like, that's what faith looks like. But there were millions of Israelites who also had to live by faith, and they had to go on this journey as well. What did it look like for them to live in faith in this God that was rescuing them, right? Like, it looks different for everyone, and we have to be faithful to what we're called to. But as I've been thinking about what it means to live by faith, I, I came back to the most simplest part of it is, is about carrying a cross. To, to me, it all comes back to the cross of Jesus and, and what it means for us. And so what I want to invite you to do as, as we just start this message is I want to ask you to try to pretend like you've never read the Bible, you've never heard about Jesus, and you have no idea what the cross is. And I want to share with you what Jesus says is required of us to follow him. And then if we remove all of that we've already heard and know about it and we just take it for what it is, we'll see how shocking it is. So what does Jesus say about the cross? In Matthew 10, 38, I've got a lot of scriptures. Some of them I'm just going to read off my notes. Some of them will turn there together. But in Matthew 10, 38, Jesus says, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24, Mark 8, 34, and Luke 9, 23 all contain this same teaching with a little bit of variation, but it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In Luke 14, 27, Jesus says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now let's pretend we have no idea what the cross is about. Let's pretend that we're a Jewish person living in the time of Jesus and Jesus says if you want to follow me and it's whoever wants to I'm not gonna force you to do this I'm just telling you this is the requirement is that you have to pick up a cross what they would have heard and what was super common to them what they saw on a daily occurrence was what the cross was a murder device it was the Roman form of executing people that's all that it was that's what it represented now to us it represents so much more than that because we have the full revelation now of the scriptures to show us what it meant but when Jesus looked at the crowds and he said if you want to follow me here's what it requires pick up a cross 
where they would have went in their head was, I have to be crucified? That's startling. And, and sometimes for me to just stop and to think that through and go, that would be like Jesus showing up today, walking up to me and being like, hey, do you want to be my disciple? Well, yeah, I think you're pretty cool. Okay, great. You have to go stand in front of the firing squad. It's going to be hard to follow you if I'm dead. But that's actually how it becomes easy. Right? He says you have to deny yourself. You know it takes an incredible amount of faith to deny yourself. We're going to look at this. It takes an incredible amount of faith to deny yourself, to pick up a cross, which is literally die to yourself and follow Jesus. But what, what is the cross all about? Because if I'm carrying a cross, my life should look different, but I need to understand how it should look different, right? When we look at the cross of Jesus, I think that primarily, and you might disagree with me, but I just think primarily we see two major things. There's a lot of things the cross does speak to us. I think there are two big ones. The first one is this, is that God is serious about sin. That he's serious. We need to take this seriously. This is what it means for us to pick up a cross. When we see the cross of Jesus Christ, we realize that God takes sin seriously. When we sin, God does not look at us and be like, I didn't see that and wink. When we sin, God doesn't just chuckle like, oh, they're just being foolish. <laughs> when we sin, God doesn't lift up a rug and sweep it under a rug and try to act like it didn't exist. No, sin is such a serious thing that God had to deal with it. And the only way it could be dealt with was by God himself coming to this planet, wrapping himself in human flesh and being crucified. When I hear Jesus tell me I got to pick up a cross... I think the first thing that I should acknowledge is that it means I must take sin very seriously in my life. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it's the second part of verse 13, going into verse 15. We read this. I'm going to start at the beginning of verse 13. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, but how? Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing him over them by the cross. The cross reveals how seriously God takes our sin. But man, I love that Paul's like, you know what else it does? It shows the victory of Jesus over that sin. The cross of Jesus reveals to us that Jesus takes our sin very seriously, but our sins do not get the last word in our life. His cross does. Right? Because the sin or the cross reveals to us how serious sin is. And how we should avoid sin and flee from sin because that's what it costs. But the cross, the second thing it reveals is this. Is that God is more serious about his love for you and his love for me. You know, when I ponder the cross, I don't know if any of you ever do this. When I think about the cross, I have lots of questions like, why? Like, why did the cross actually have to happen? Why did Jesus have to die on a cross? And I know the easy answer is, well, it was prophesied. Why was it prophesied? Like, I got lots of questions that I would love answered. 
But when you boil it down to its simplest, I think it shows us those two things. It cost Jesus everything. And because of his love, he's will, he was willing to pay the price. So what does that mean for me and you to carry our cross? Well, if I'm going to carry my cross, it means I'm going to take sin seriously in my life. That if I'm missing the mark, that if I'm straying away from the path, that I'm not going to laugh it off, I'm not going to justify it, I'm not going to act like it never happened, I'm going to deal with it. And the way that I'm able to deal with it is that I'm able to bring it right to the feet of Jesus because he took all my sin and nailed it to the cross. He paid the price, but I can't continue in that which Jesus died to set me free from, right? So it takes faith to bring it back to Jesus. It also takes faith for me to believe that the love of God has a greater word in my life than the sin that's in my life. It takes faith to believe that. It takes faith to believe that if I miss the mark today, I can get back up tomorrow. Right? Because the devil loves to just come and be like, you're just a failure. Just get back down there. You know, and you get up the next day and you're like, I'm going to just try really hard. And you mess up again. He's just like, yeah, just, you know, any of you ever feel that way? I do. I don't know, man. I come to work here sometime. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. John 3, 16 and 17, it's so simple. But for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We all know that one, but sometimes we cut ourselves short because we don't finish it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Church, if we're going to carry our cross well, it means that we're going to treat sin seriously, but we're going to treat the love of God more seriously in my life and in how I approach others. Is the sin in other people's life serious? Sure. But the love of God for them is more serious. What's shining through my life? We have to remember, Jesus didn't come to condemn me and to beat me up for how I'm a failure. Jesus came to save me from my failure. And if I can embody that myself, if I can embrace what the cross means, then I can treat other people that way which is the result of the cross in my life, that I carry it. So I treat sin seriously, but I treat God's love seriously for myself and for others. I think that is massive for us to grab a hold of. What does it mean to live by faith? It means I'm going to pick up a cross and I'm going to be serious about it because if I'm picking it up, my life will look different. You cannot look the same walking next to someone who's not carrying a cross, right? Like if I'm carrying a cross, I will look different to the world. Now, I want you to know that there's always going to be the temptation to lay down your cross. There's always going to be the temptation to lay down your cross. In Luke's gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all share the same thing. If anyone would come and follow me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. Luke adds one little word in there that I think makes a big difference. He says daily. He, he says that Jesus said daily. If anyone would come and follow me, they must deny themselves and daily pick up their cross and follow me, which tells me that there's an opportunity every day for me to lay my cross down because every day there's an opportunity for me to pick my cross up. And I want you to know that Jesus experienced this. Jesus knows what it's like. In Matthew 26, if you would turn there with me, In Matthew 26, we're going to go to verse 38. 
We'll start there. Context of this is Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's going to be very familiar to a lot of you if you were raised in the church, what we're about to read. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus knows that the moment is coming where he's going to be arrested and the crucifixion is about to take place. Jesus knows everything that was prophesied about him. He knows how bad it's about to get. And this is what we find Jesus doing. In verse 38, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, if I can just be transparent for a minute here. Like, I've been at some spots in my life where I knew what the right thing was. And it was so hard to follow the right way that I was really like, you know what I'm saying, tore up on the inside. I don't know if you know what that's like to know what the right thing you're supposed to do is, but yet be so conflicted because you don't want it, you really want to do your own thing. You, you see, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is some intense weight on Jesus right now. And let's keep reading and see what the, what the point is. So he says, stay here and keep watch with me. Going on a little further, he fell with his face to the ground, and this was his prayer. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. If we hop down to verse 42, we read, he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus knew the weight of carrying his cross. He knew what it would cost him and he was conflicted, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death about the prospect of faithfully carrying his cross. Have you ever felt that way? That to carry your cross is going to cost you something heavy. I can think of lots of circumstances. I can think of your teenagers. How many of you got teenagers right now? Yeah. Can I just, I'm going to give you a little insight. This will help you in your parenting. Social equity is their lifeline. We, as parents, as adults, we operate with money. We're financial equity, right? Like we got to feed our kids. We use money to do that. Your teenager's life is all about their social equity, how their peers perceive them and everything. So you tell your student, I'm about to drop something on you right now. I hope you're ready for this. You tell your student, hey, you need to honor God and not go have sex. And then you ask your student when they get to high school how many kids that they know, how many of their peers are out being sexually active? How many of their peers are sexting one another, sending nude photos of themselves? It's normal. In fact, I've had students come and tell me, you're actually the freak in the school if you're not sending nude photos of yourself. Now you take your teenager whose whole life is based on their social equity and you tell them, hey, Jesus wants you to not do that. You know what that is? Buddy, that's deny yourself and pick up a cross, kid, and go to school. You want to tell me that don't take faith? Maybe for you. You're a business owner. And you're looking at everyone else who runs a business and you're trying to run it the same way. And you're just like, no, I need to treat people the right way. And I could do certain things to benefit myself more, but that's not the way Jesus is leading me. I need to honor God with how I'm doing this. But it might eat into my profits. It might. I remember my dad one time, he worked uh, for a construction company when we lived in Tennessee. It was a, a brick laying company. So when they'd build a house, his, his guys would go in, they'd lay bricks. And I remember one time the guy did a job 
And his boss, they went and they bricked this huge house and the people refused to pay him. And he had like, I think at this point, I mean, this was a long time ago now. I'm pretty sure there were six or seven guys on this brick company. And the, and the job just refused to pay him. And that guy that owned the business had a decision to make. Do I pay these dudes what they worked for even though it's going to hurt me? Or do I just make sure I'm okay and let them fend for themselves, right? Business owners, you got to make some tough decisions sometimes. And thankfully, that man, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he chose to pay his people even though he didn't get the job money, right? What does that look like? That looks like picking up a cross, man. Doing the right thing even when it might hurt you something. Doing something at your job for the right reason, even though you know it might get you fired in the end because you're going to upset the wrong person. That takes faith to say that I believe in God enough that he's going to take care of me, so I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus even when I don't want to. And I find great comfort in knowing that Jesus can relate to me. That Jesus knows exactly what it's like to inside of himself so desire to lay down his cross. That's what he wanted. He wanted to give it up. But we also learned from Jesus how to fight it. He went straight to his father. He said, here's what I want. There's something incredibly human about being open and honest about our weaknesses. Like, I just find that very freeing. And I think, I think Pastor Nicole preached on that when we did our James series, confessing one to another. There's something so incredibly human about us being real about how sometimes the cross is heavy in our lives. Right? Sometimes the pressure to lay down the cross comes from within us. It's our own desire to do something differently. And it takes faith to not lay it down. But sometimes the pressure and the temptation to lay down our cross comes from outside of us. And Jesus is familiar with this as well. In Matthew 27, verse 40, at this point in the story, Jesus is literally on his cross. And this is what happens to him. It says, I'm going to start in verse 38. It says, the two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Verse 39, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Now we know because the scriptures have told us, Jesus already wants to lay it down. And now as he's literally on the cross, and I think it's really important for us to note that Jesus getting nailed to the cross was not the end goal. The job wasn't done just by getting nailed to the cross, right? He had to go all the way to death, right? He's got an opportunity now. People are crowding around him. Why are you carrying that cross? You saved all these other, why can't you save yourself? Mocking and ridiculing. And now we know that he's already overwhelmed to the point of death, right? Sorrow to the point of death. And now he's got the crowd around him feeding into that. Why are you doing this? Just like if you come off the cross, we'll believe you. You ever dealt with that? If your teenagers are in high school and they're trying to carry their cross, they are. I bet you are too. 
that in living for Jesus, you're going to have people around you who are going, why are you doing that that way? Why don't you just do what's best for you? Because I'm carrying a cross. This is not about me. I'm telling you, this is faith, man. This is impossible to live out without our faith. Why? Because it's too easy to lay the cross down. I know that it is because too many times in my life I've been in those moments where I went and, yep, and I'm just going to lay that down for a second and go take care of business. And I'll come right back and pick it back up. You have to. Don't look at me like that. Every single one of us at family Thanksgiving has been there, right? I mean, seriously, we love our family, but they're the easiest people in the world to get into fights with. Would be to God I'd learn to carry my cross a little better. Just love people, you know? I'm just being honest. So Jesus dealt with it. He dealt with it from within and he dealt with it from without. He faced all this pressure. I don't know why I'm saying this so much. I wasn't planning on doing this. But if you have kids that are teenagers, I'm just telling you, this is their life every day. Every single day. The pressure for them is overwhelming. Let me just, just offshoot here real quick. How many of you are like, uh, oh, let me see, how do I want to ask this? You're Randy's age. Randy's like 50. How many, just raise your hand if you're 50 or older. Don't be shy. It's fine. I won't remember or point you out. Okay, very good. All right, so your generation, I'm just going to use one example for you to show you the pressure that your kids are under right now. This is, this is not to condemn them or criticize them or make them look bad. I want you to step into their shoes for a minute and realize what the struggle is like. If you're 50 or older, if you wanted porn, you had to go find it. Okay? You, you had to go find it. If you're my generation, well, it was a little easier to find if you wanted to. The generation we're now serving, our young ones, it's hunting them. And I mean it that literally. It is hunting them. What kind of pressure do you think they're under? And it's so easy sometimes for us to just be like, you know what, those kids are just, I do it sometimes. I work with them all the time. I'm like, you know what, these kids need to grow up. But if I could just stop for a minute and just say, what is it like to be them in this culture? Because none of us have faced what they're facing right now. I'm just telling you, it's different, man. And what would it look like for them to see a church rise up and say, hey, God so loved you that he sent his son to save you. Jesus didn't come to condemn you, but to rescue you from this evil, crooked culture that's trying to get you to just go into this mess that's going to destroy your life. We're here for that. Yes, God takes it seriously because it's killing you, right? Like God loves you. He doesn't want you to be hurt. Like I'm just telling you, church, this is a moment for us. This is a moment for us to rise up and pick the next generation up and help lift them out of this mess and say there's a better way and the cross of Jesus is not the worst thing for you. It's the best thing for you because where Jesus is leading you is an abundant life, but you will only find it carrying a cross. And oftentimes it looks like death, but you're really just finding life. I'm just telling you, we got to be there. You, we got to be there for our kids. And when they make those mistakes, and they will, because they're facing more pressure every day to lay down their cross than we will. I promise you. And it's only going to get worse. Why? Because technology is just getting better. 
It's just becoming more invasive. It's just all around you, right? But when the light shines into the darkness, what happens? Help me out. When the light shines in the darkness, what happens? The darkness has to flee, baby. It can't overcome the light. I'm telling you, when Jesus starts shining in these dark places, you're going to see people getting rescued left and right. But what's not going to cause that to happen is if all we do is look at them and say, that's terrible. Do better. It's not going to help anybody. It's a trap, and the devil knows what he's doing. But we, uh, we know his schemes, right? All right, there we go. Let's keep moving. I could go there forever, but I'm not going to. The cross of Jesus is about how seriously God takes sin. The cross of Jesus is about how serious God is about his love. That God is more serious about his love for me than he is about the sin in my life. Which means that if I'm carrying my cross, I'm more serious about sin, but I'm even more serious about his love. And that's going to be how I walk with Jesus is knowing he doesn't overlook my sin, but his love is greater than my sin. And it's how I'm going to treat you. I'm going to live my life knowing that there's an opportunity almost daily to lay that cross down. And even if I do, tomorrow I can pick it up. The goal is not to lay it down, but even if I do. Thank God his mercy and his grace is new every morning, and I can pick that thing right back up and keep growing, right? I'm not going to let it sit there for two days in a row. We're going to keep moving. Next thing I want to share with you is this, is that in our journey of carrying our cross, in this journey of faith to carry a cross in a culture that would mock you, ridicule you, and give you every reason inside of yourself to lay it down, we look to Jesus to find the strength to keep on carrying. In Philippians 2 verse 8, we read this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to just reflect on this for a minute. He was found in appearance as a man. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our Savior, the Messiah. This is the one that we put all of our hope in. But when you would have looked at him, what you would have seen is someone just like you. Grab a hold of this. He was found in appearance as a man. When you looked at him, there was nothing special about him. It's not like God gave him this supercharged lifestyle that he was just impervious to sin. Jesus could have laid it down. He was found just like you and I. Why is this important? Because he's the great high priest. Because he's able to empathize with us in our weakness. Why? Because he himself experienced it. So when I'm down and when I'm struggling and when everything in me wants to lay my cross down, I look to Jesus who was found in appearance as a man. He was just like me, but he was obedient. Even to death on a cross, he never laid it down. So if I need strength, who's the one guy I'm going to? Jesus. I'm going straight to Jesus. Why? He was faithful to the end. And he did it the same way I have to. By faith. By trusting in his father, by seeking his father to give him strength, right? Same way we have to do it. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Church, I'm telling you right now that if everything in you wants to lay down your cross and if all the people around you are telling you to lay it down, look to Jesus. That's your only hope. 
You know, I think it's very interesting that when Jesus was on the cross, the Bible lets us know that there was all sorts of people that mocked and ridiculed him. The everyday person was ridiculing him and mocking him. The Romans were. And guess who else was? That's right, those religious people. The people that should have known better. Church, sometimes, even the people you go to church with might not be the best people to go talk to. Because if you need somebody to stand in faith, let me give you this, I'll give you an example this way. I tell the students, hey, if you're struggling with a sin, the worst person to go talk to is someone struggling with the same sin. Because what ends up happening is this. I'm just going to use Pastor Randy because I told David I wouldn't pick on him anymore. They end up doing this. Pastor Randy, I just need to know I'm really struggling with this. It was a tough week. I actually gave in like 15 times to this sin, and I just need you to pray with me. And then Pastor Randy would look at me and say something like, me too, bro. (laughs) Same deal. Let's pray for each other. And you know what happens? Nothing. Because we both walk away. We ain't got nothing to give each other, so we just walk away as empty as we were before. Right? You, You try you got to find people that are going to stand in faith with you. you got to find people that aren't in the same spot with you. Yes, we, we confess one to another so that we can find strength, but you got to know who you're talking to. And you got to know that sometimes people are not there with you. And it's not necessarily because they don't want to be. It's just because wherever they're at in their journey, they're not there yet. you got to know who to talk to, but the first thing we're told to do is to look straight to Jesus because he was the only one who was faithful all the way to the end, man. He never gave up. Look at him so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. If you want to be successful in carrying your cross, it's going to be because you're consistently looking to the one who never laid his down. Right? All right. I got one final thing to share with you. I'm going to wrap up. I want to show you how the Apostle Paul In his revelation of Jesus, he has found an entirely new way to look at his life. And I think that it is the, I think this is how we're supposed to approach life in faith. In Galatians chapter 6, if you would turn there. In Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to go to verse 14. And I'm going to, I'm going to, give you a little bit of context here so that we all know where he's writing from. Paul's writing in Galatians and he's giving them this revelation of, hey, you foolish people. Those are his words, not mine. He says, hey, you foolish people. um, how, How did you get saved? Was it by what you did? Or was it by what you believed? More specifically, by was it by who you believed in? And his argument is, Your salvation has nothing to do with how good you are at being saved. That's his argument. Your salvation has everything to do with the fact that Jesus Christ did what you could not. Right? And in Galatians 6.14, this is what he says. He says, may I never boast. He says this because he's critiquing people who were boasting and how good they were at being Jesus followers. On their own effort, right? He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. 
This is Paul's paradigm for life. When There's no light over there, so I'm not going to walk over there. When, when Paul reflects on Jesus on the cross, Paul sees himself up there with Jesus. Which makes perfect sense, right? Because we read Jesus took our sins and he nailed them to the cross. Right? So Paul says when Jesus is on the cross, I'm there with him. That's my boast. My boast is not in anything that I have done. My boast is only ever in what Jesus Christ has accomplished for me. And here's why I think this paradigm, this way of viewing and living life is so important. is because if every day I live as if the only thing that matters is what Jesus has done for me, then that means every day I'm going to pick up my cross to follow him. But if in any moment I start to think that this is about what I'm doing and how good I'm doing it and what I'm capable of on my own strength, then I'm no longer looking to him. Right? Paul gives us this beautiful way of embracing a new life of faith, and it is founded completely in the cross of Jesus Christ. And he says, this is where I'm going to consistently go. Everyone else can talk about how good they are at loving people and whatever things they're doing for God. The one thing I'm going to keep bragging on is what Jesus Christ accomplished for me on the cross. And when Jesus, when he went there, the world was crucified to me. And when he says the world, let's be clear, he's not talking about people. He's talking about sinful issues and sinful systems and all that kind of stuff. All the stuff that would lead us away from God. That's what he's referring. He says, I've been crucified to that stuff. I'm dead to it. I'm dead. That's how he's approaching it now. I think that that's the key. That if you and I are to successfully do what Jesus says is required to follow him, it's going to be because we consistently look back to his cross. And say, I can do it only because you've already done it for me. That's, that's communion. That's why he said, as often as you get together, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my body that was broken and my blood that was spilled for you. Why? Because it brings us back to the, to the starting point of all of our faith. And I believe the consistent place of our faith is all about the cross. It's all about the cross. Here's what I want to ask you tonight. I want to finish with just a couple of questions just for you to think about. Again, the cross of Jesus reveals to us that God is serious about our sin, so we should be too. We should not treat our sin and our life like it's something that we can play with, because it's not. But we should also be very serious about God's love for us, and we should acknowledge that God's love has a greater word than the sin in our life. So we're not going to be held back by our sin. We're going to walk in his love, right? If we're going to carry a cross, it means that we're going to live that way. Serious about sin and serious about loving God and loving others, which is how we fulfill all of God's commandments. So here's what I want to ask you, though. What are the things in your life that tempt you to lay down your cross? I think it's very important for us to identify these things because Jesus did. Jesus went to his father in prayer and said, Here's what I don't want, <laughs> the cross. Don't want it. I don't think it does any of us good to be uh, nonchalant about the things that would cause us to walk away from God, right? So what, what are those things? What are those internal things 
that tempt you to go, I'd rather do my own thing right now. Let me just set this down for a moment. You should take those to the Father. And you should bring them to the feet of Jesus. And you say, what I really want is to lay my cross down to do this, but I want to be faithful. Jesus, help me. What are those outside pressures that tempt you to lay down your cross? To not treat sin seriously and to not treat the love of God seriously for yourself and for other people. What outside pressures tempt you to lay down your cross? You need to identify them and you need to take them to the Father and bring them to Jesus. That's where you're going to find strength to not lay your cross down. And don't miss it. Every one of us will be tempted to lay our cross down consistently for as long as we live. It will happen. We need to practice the method of bringing it to the Father so that we don't do that. How do we find strength to not lay down our cross? Obviously, by looking to Jesus, bringing it to the Lord in prayer, asking him for his grace. And here's the last question I want to ask you is, what are the ways that Jesus gives you strength? Now, I know the simple answer here is, well, when I read my Bible and I pray, those are all well and good, and you need to do those things. Those are staples. But there are other ways that God's grace gets to your life. Sometimes, I know Pastor Kylan does this all the time with us when he feels like we're stressed out. He makes us go take a walk because apparently God connects with him when he's out in nature. Who would have thought? I'm like, God connects with me in an air-conditioned building. You know, that's, anyways, that's just, but that's a way that God connects with him. Like, that's a moment, that's a space. What is it? I'm a people person. I oftentimes am encouraged by being around other people and hearing what God's doing in their life. That's a way that God's grace gets to me too. I I get inspired and go, man, if God's doing that for you, he's got me, right? There's more than just reading your Bible and praying. And that's why we have the church, to bear one another's burdens, to rejoice with one another, to mourn with one another. That's the, what are the ways that God's grace gets to you? And you need to dig into those times. You need to dig into those things when when the pressure is heavy and the temptation is great to lay it down. Go to the things that God's grace gets to you in, right? Whatever those things are, go to those things and let God be your source. Can I pray over us tonight? Father, I just, uh, God, I thank you so much that our boast is in the cross of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that none of us stand in your presence on our own merits. Father, if it was based on what we were doing, God, all of us would be condemned. But Father, your grace is sufficient for us. God, where sin increased, your grace increased all the more. But Jesus has made it clear that our faith must be in him, and that will be evident by a life that is picking up a cross and following him. Father, I pray for everyone here today. Maybe there are people listening today here in this sanctuary or on live stream and they know in their heart that they've laid their cross down. Maybe it's because the pressure and the weight just got to the place of being overbearing. Maybe, Father, they lost sight of you. Maybe it got so heavy that they couldn't even see Jesus. God, I pray that today, right now, in this moment even, Father, that that their eyes would be open to see Christ, 
Father, that they would be able to lift up their eyes to the hills where their help comes from. Their help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Father, I pray that tonight, right now, God, that they would make the choice to boast in what Jesus did for them on the cross and to pick their cross back up again. Knowing that it's because of Jesus that any of us even have the strength to do this in the first place. God, I pray that all of us would identify those desires from within us that would tempt us to lay down our cross and those pressures from without. God, that we might bring them to your throne room. That we might seek help and grace in our time of need, knowing, God, that you are faithful because no temptation has seized us except what is common to man. And you are faithful and you are just to provide a way out for us, God. I pray that we would live in that faith that Jesus was enough. And because of what Jesus has done, we can do this together. We can do this together. None of us is alone in this journey, Father. You're building your church. We need each other. Help us, God, to bear one another's burdens and to help each other to pick up our cross when we feel weak and want to lay it down. God, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. You're so good to us. I want to do this right now. If, if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's anyone here tonight and you've, you've never, ever in your life made the decision to follow Jesus, to, to pick up a cross. I know that it sounds strange to die to yourself, to pick up a cross and follow him, but Jesus is clear. What his desire is for you is that you are rescued from a life that's sending you to death. He wants to give you real, true life, but it's only found in his way. And the Bible tells us that if we will just confess Jesus, that if we will confess him, we believe and confess that, that he'll claim us as his own, that he'll rescue us and he'll make us something brand new. If you're here tonight, and tonight you want to say for the first time, I want to follow Jesus. I want to pick up a cross and I want to follow Jesus. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. So raise your hand. I'm looking around. Amen. If you're on live stream and you want to make that decision, I encourage you, reach out, send, send us a direct message or comment on the live stream feed. Let us know and one of our staff will be in touch with you. We would love to pray with you as well. All right, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. God, I pray that you would bless them, that you would give us eyes to see what you're doing in our lives because you are always with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. And we thank you for that, Father. Help us to be aware of your constant presence in our life, Father, as we seek to pick up our cross and follow you faithfully. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. We love you, church. We'll see you Sunday morning, bright and early. Go home and hug your kids today.